Live from Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat on Strathclyde. Welcome everyone to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet live from the snowy towers of Glasgow. It's a great day to be talking wrestling. I am the host this week, Stephen Wilson, doing my Vince McMahon and Raw ac- accent, of course. And I am joined at the broadcast table first. <laughs> to my right, some say he brings some intelligence to the panel. I believe he does. It's the fury yes. of Fife is Nathan Fisher. Hi Stephen, how are you? Not bad, how's yourself? Very well. My throat's killing me after that. I don't <laughs> know how Vince does it all these years. And to Nathan's right, rejoining the panel this week, he is the broken bed bandit, it's Joshua Hong. Hello. How's it going Josh? Good, how are you? Aye, very good, thanks, very good. Ah, my throat's killing me. Oh, this could be a long one and a half. <laughs> I didn't think this through. <laughs> and returning to the panel this week after a, f- after a few weeks' absence, it's the president of the Glasgow University Pro Wrestling Society, it's Andy Mitchell. Hey, how's it going? Not bad, how's yourself? Yeah, good, Jetta. Good, good. And rounding off our panel this week, he is the king of KFEB, the modern-day Maharaja, suited up as pair, looking dapper, doing his Michael Cole impression. It's David Hockney! How's it going? How's it going? Uh, no bad, how's yourself? Your Vince McMahon impression was awful. There's a reason, <laughs> there's a reason they say don't try this at home. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why now you've ended up with a sore throat. I know, it's going to be rough. My throat and, and try to talk with the rest for this. Yes, so this is Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. If you are listening to us live, comment to us on social media at Suplex Retweet on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Right, for those of you who may have not got the reference at the start of the show, we are coming up to the 25th anniversary show of the longest-running episodic television show in history, Monday Night Raw. And what better way to celebrate this momentous occasion and to, for us to talk about our top <coughs> moments in Raw history that is 25 years worth of. We've had a tough time getting it down to just potentially three for each panel member. So if you are listening and your favourite moment's not mentioned, don't worry, it's not that it wasn't bad, it's just we didn't have time to talk about it. Guys, are you looking forward to talking Raw? Absolutely, oh, yes. yes. Yeah. I love that intro, by the way. Did you? Yeah, excellent. 
Uh, it's a cracker. <laughs> Some great raw themes in the, over the years. But yeah, so to, uh, as we did with our Best of 2017 show, we'll be going around the panel. Each panel member will talk about one of their favourite moments and we'll discuss it between ourselves. We're going to start off with Nathan. Nathan, kick us off. What's your, what's your first moment? The first moment is actually took place uh, a few months before I actually started watching wrestling. I remember uh, Mason the Playground were talking about that at the time. And when I watched it back, it's something that just has to be included. It's on the January 4th, 1999 episode of Raw. It's Mankind when the WWF title. Excellent, yeah. Very, very good choice. I watched this actually last night. One of my favourite moments personally as well. Uh, Europe is going to come up eventually. Um, guys, um, <laughs> we, talk- we talked about this on the show that never made it to uh, to record it, actually. Uh, the WCW show with Mankind winning the title. Uh, there's a lot of great moments to the to the show. To this moment, obviously, uh, one of them actually wasn't the actual wrestling. I think made me fair to say. Am I, am I wrong there? I'm thinking. Actually, there I wasn't really about the wrestling. No, the storytelling behind it though was probably the best yep. bit. Um, but you had two huge pops that night. The moment, obviously, when he won, and I think a couple of minutes before, I think Stone Cold, Stone Cold, yeah. Stone Cold came out to probably one of the loudest pops I've ever yeah, heard in the, my life. The pop heard around the world. As Stone Cold puts it. I think it's still ranked by many a fan as the top pop in WWE history, mm. mm-hmm. uh, and for good reason. I mean, I mean, when have you ever heard a crowd that loud in the last, say, ten years? Well, Punk's was a big pop when he won money when he won at Money in the Bank, and when he came mm-hmm. out of Money in the Bank, but. I, don't think it was the it was a rare one that kind of the pop wasn't to do with MD in the ring it was kind of no the guys the actual guys like in terms of shock factor well it wasn't really a shock factor as Austin always appeared in every raw uh-huh. yeah. and you were just building to the moment he came out and you were just hoping it was going to be but it was the whole uh, thing to at it. that episode of the title he was he was scared, scared to come back but he didn't see when so yeah. it was always like you knew he was coming out and then obviously when it happened huge Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, mankind himself. I mean, he'd, he, for the six months prior to that moment, he'd been building himself as quite a popular babyface mm. in the company. I mean, it kind of led from that moment at Hell in a Cell '98, where he, where he took, uh, fell off, the, was thrown off the cell. Sorry. So uh, it was, it was a kind of came across as a crowding moment. I mentioned this in the WCW show. I don't know if many of you will agree with this. I still think it's Michael Cole's finest moment oh, yeah. on commentary yeah. in yeah. WWE. I mean, I don't know if anybody else agrees with that or not. No, I, I agree, yeah. I mean, Michael Cole isn't the most popular announcer of all, but I think but, that's... But you're dressed like him. Uh, don't give me that, okay? <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to give me the whole Drew, Drew Gulak treatment today. Yeah, but I was, doing a, I was doing an announcer thing, so I thought I'd go with Michael Cole. <laughs> Whatever. I'll, I'll roll with it. I think something that's interesting is that because we've been through many eras of wrestling now in the past two decades or so since so many things have changed, like moments have had what they, you know, the symbolism that they had at the time, and then there's what it means in history. So at the time, it was it was mankind winning the WWF Championship. Mm. That was the special moment. It was feel good. Everyone jumped around and felt good, and you know, celebrated with the underdog. But I think now, retrospectively in history, it's, it also represents one of those key moments where WCW were defeated. And even though at the time everyone knew it was part of the Monday Night Wars. Um, no one knew that WCW wouldn't have been around two years later, so I think that that's you know got an extra special double meaning a few years later. Yeah, because it was the moment that the Monday Night Wars flipped. It was that time where people think, turned the channel. I think it was five hundred thousand viewers switched. I think it was something like that. It was Tony Schiavone said, "Put butts in the seat." Yeah, butts in the seat moment. That's <laughs> what changed it. Mankind's talked uh, very vocally even on the Monday Night Wars show on the, on the WWE Network. Mm. He seen that as a bit of a slap in the face yeah. that they were just trying to ruin his, his big moment so it was good to see that they did eventually go one, one up in WCW by not letting that steal the moment and that was up there as one of the big moments in Raw, in raw history 
Uh, but yeah, it's a great moment to start off the show, man. Uh, everybody loves it. I think it would be on a lot of people's lists. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it was so low on WWE's list, which they announced the top 25 this week. I think it was only about number nine. Really? Aye, it so was number nine, yeah. So it wasn't even the lowest one. But yeah, it's a great one to start us off with, Nathan. Thank you. So let's move on then to Josh. Josh, what have you got for us? What's your first big moment to discuss? So my first moment was on 22nd November 2010. Can anyone guess what happened on 22nd November 2010? 2010? Was uh, it a cash-in? It might well, have been a cash-in. Yeah. Or was it Mrs. Cash-in? It, yep, it was Mrs. Yeah. Cash-in against Randy Orton on Monday Night Raw. You know so, what? I, I give you props to that. that. I really like that moment. Yeah, so I think that at that point in time, um, I had come back from maybe about a year or two's break from watching WWE. Before that, it was obsessive. And then after this, I was obsessive again. I think that um, Miz was at quite an interesting point in his career. Um, he'd recently lost to his uh, rookie from NXT, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. and mm-hmm. his team had just lost at Survivor Series so I think that sometimes we talk about build up to a moment was, Some was Miz on Sur- no, I don't think Miz was on Survivor Series that year I believe Miz was the captain no that was last year and he won Okay, well, well, that was the year before, sorry, 2009. We can verify. Don't you remember that at this point in time, David was the only person <laughs> I know that owned a Miz t-shirt. So David, so David knows his Miz history. I was a Miz so, fan. I was a Miz fanboy back in the day. So. Okay, so he'd so, had <laughs> he's had some high-profile losses in the last year, though. So it would have been the same the same 12 months. Uh, I think everyone talks about build-up and how a champion needs to, you know, go from strength to strength and have that momentum. But Miz went kind of quite low to the bottom. And if anyone remembers the moment itself, what happened was the Nexus completely beat up Randy Orton, uh, all 12 of them or whatever, as they had at the time. And then in amongst it, um, Miz's music hit and him and Alex Riley came out and Miz uh, managed to pin Randy Orton. The moment itself was quite uh, it was quite good because um, I think it was, it was one of those moments where uh, Miz didn't actually get the pinfall the first time either. He hit one skill-crushing finale, didn't manage to get the pin. So there was a moment where he thought, oh my goodness, is he going to be the first failed cash-in in history? Mm. But then he got it, and then it was a true underdog story, but also one of the most cowardly things that you've ever seen on Raw television, and that's what makes a great bad guy. You know, it, it wasn't a sudden cash-in either. Like It wasn't a cash-in that lasted more than like a minute or so. This one lasted a good like six or seven minutes, about the length of a, a normal match. So it did have that tease factor to think, oh, is Miz not going to do it? And I think his rise to that position was story told perfectly. Because when he won the Money in the Bank contract, he was United States champion at the time. And only before then, you know, he had um, a couple of tag team titles under his under his wing. But then when he lost the US title to, to Daniel Bryan, you had to think, right, next stop, he's going to cash in and win the, the big one. Mm. So I think it's that step-by-step moving up the ranks. That's how he sort of achieved uh, superstardom. But I think as well, uh, one of the interesting moments about that uh, night was, I think back in 2010, WWE were still sort of, they were still like a leader in social media, but social media wasn't as uh, big a deal back then. Mm. Um, and I think that was the first time that they took an audience member uh, screen cap their face. Was that the angry? Yeah. Was that the <laughs> angry, angry Miz girl? Oh. Oh. The angry Miz girl. So for yeah. about a year, they were showing pictures of the angry Miz girl, uh, and it was the first time that they kind of they screen grabbed something like that for social media, and it had that amount of reach. We can actually confirm that David was right on the Miz facts. He was on the winning team in 2009, didn't compete in 2010. This is why I am the analyst of this panel. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, you've not really came up with anything good analytical <laughs> for a few weeks, so... Hey, um, I was on a bit of a, a slump, so I'm getting back into it. I believe the word is called a dry spell. Dry spell, <laughs> right, okay. Whatever you want to call it, I'll uh, 
I'll call it a slump. But it is one of the more underrated cash-ins in WWE history. I mean, not, yeah. not many people would talk about it, but that was it was on WWE's list as well, but it wasn't as high up as other cash-ins. So, mm-hmm. yeah, The Miz finally getting his moment. It's a, sh- it's a shame that he's only had one reign. Look at how he's actually progressed in the eight years since then. He's due one soon. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. He is, like, you know, aside from Braun Strowman, I think he's probably the MVP of Monday Night Raw. Nathan, I remember you calling this at last year's WrestleMania predictions where you thought Miz, yes. Miz was going to win a title last year. Yeah, and um, I, think so, yeah. I think WWE have tried to screw you over by having uh, a win the Intercontinental <laughs> title about a million times. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good moment then. Thanks for that, Josh. It's a good one. We now move over to Andy. Andy, what have you got for us? What's your first one? Uh, my first one uh, happened, I think it was January 2014, and it was the night that uh, Daniel Bryan turned on the Wyatt family <gasps> in the steel cage. Yes. Uh, I thought that was one of the so yeah, That is a very good there. one. I didn't have that really on my good. list actually. I was quite really surprised. Yeah, that was like one of the. Thought. I was gonna mention. I'll mention it probably later, but I thought maybe nobody has got this on the list. But no, I just thought it was amazing. I was trying to figure out who it was they were facing against. But I can't remember. Who it was. Was, was it the? Yeah. I just remember that moment, and it was like when you're talking about pops and the Austin pop. It was like the pop mm-hmm. that night for Brian was amazing. Yeah, like in the crowd as well in unison with the mm-hmm. yeah so as, so as Andy said this was in 2014 early doors Daniel Bryan was just off of a, moment, a momentous 2013 it was fair to say he was at uh, unprecedented levels of popularity compared to a lot of other people in the roster he was he won the WWE title got it taken off him through he had a cash in lost it and then was kind of going back and forward and then he entered this rivalry with the Wyatt family now anybody who knows about the Wyatts nowadays uh, this was before the point where Bray was always losing. So this is Br- Bray was very early in his run. He was, this is his first six months on the roster. So he was, they were making him look like a really big deal, and putting him with Brian was interesting. And having Wyatt Brian in the Wyatt family, I believe he was actually only in the Wyatt family for about was it three weeks? It was actually two weeks. Two weeks, yeah, two weeks. So it was, it, it was interesting the fact that WWE pulled the trigger on it so quickly. Mm-hmm. You'd kind of think that they would have. Put this, let this go on a wee bit longer. As far as I know, I think the the long term plans that we were supposed to be there for a few months, but it was just the fan backlash that had mm-hmm. to turn them. Like, yeah. They said, let's put them in the Rumble, let's make them the main event of WrestleMania, and then we all know what happened then with the Royal Rumble that year. I mean, it was good. I mean, it was in the steel cage, so it kind of isolated the uh, Harper and Rowan. Uh, mm. They didn't. So Brian had that tip moment with uh, Bray Wyatt, and it was just the point where. Uh, he hit the, was it the first kick or something he did to, I can't no, remember the he, exact move he went into the since, uh, Sister Abigail and then he just pulled out mm-hmm. and that was it oh. just now. yeah he sort of offered himself to take a Sister Abigail that's kind of what happened yeah. they two had an that was an awesome feud the match they had at Ro- the Royal Rumble oh, that year that was still, yeah. I think it's up there as one of the best Bray Wyatt matches I've mm-hmm. seen I, I'd say it is Bray Wyatt's best match I think it's hard to hurt. From what I've seen, yeah. It stole the show. I mean, that was a, obviously uh, the night where many people remember uh, Rey Mysterio getting booed out of the building for, not, for being for being number 30 in the Rumble. When it should have been. We'll probably right. talk about that a bit more next week when we talk about the Royal Rumble. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, awesome match. Awesome moment. I mean, Daniel Bryan. Just <laughs> we could talk, There could be a good few moments about Daniel Bryan in the mm. show, I think, tonight. I think it's fair mm, to say. Definitely. But, yeah, the pop was great. And, yeah, absolutely brilliant. But, yeah. Great moment to kick you off there, Andy. Thank you very much. Uh, David. Yes. Uh, there's a few moments I think I might guess from you, but I'm going to let you actually just dis- let you tell it, obviously. So what are, we going, what are you going with? What's well, your first one? I could easily pick a, a usual suspect, but I'm going to go a little off topic as well. Um, something that's, again, kind of around the time these guys have mentioned. Um, mine comes from April 8th, 2013. Anybody guess what it is? Oh, yeah, I know. I knew you were going to do that. Yeah? That was the one I thought you were going to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was, yeah. (laughs) Similar to Josh's one. Yeah, similar to Josh's one. I knew you were going to do that. One of my favourite moments was Dolph Ziggler's cash-in. Like, 
And it was also during the first mental, like properly mental post-mania oh, crowd yeah. on Raw. Like that whole night on Raw was just electric, and I think it sort of set the set the the bar, as it were, for post-mania crowds for for years to come. Like it was really the most energetic and lively crowd we've seen all year, oh, in quite a while. See, I love that. And I love that for maybe a different reason than the other one. And I'm, I'm going to say this because of the, the, I'm never going to get him on this show. So I don't, cause it, purely because I don't <clears> want to. I hate Alberto Del Rio. Yeah. Even when he was a face. Yeah. I absolutely hated him. And it was just the thought of him losing that belt. I mean, I would have I would have loved if they put, they put the belt on Swagger. See, at WrestleMania the, 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 uh, the night before, like during the WrestleMania match between him and Swagger, which was actually pretty bad, <laughs> and the night after, everybody was chanting for Ziggler to cash in. You could yeah. tell that everybody thought this was his time. And even back then, everybody was saying he was going to win it. Yeah, I think like everybody else, um, I, I, was, I thought it was a great moment when Ziggler cashed in. But like Steven, I was hoping Jack Swagger would have won the belt the night before. So for me, I was still like reeling from the defeat I, the night before. I wasn't so much disappointed in the match. Well, I was disappointed in the match. I was more disappointed when I found out, well, they obviously cut Jack Swagger's entrance. And then I found out how he entrance came out. He came out in a blooming golf buggy. <laughs> it was like yeah, it was like a, a land, a sand bug, a sand dune buggy or something. Yeah, that was great. I mean, look, look, he came out, and that was. Although a couple of weeks prior to Mania, or I think it might have been a, a month before, he got done with uh, possession yeah, of drugs and a DU, DUI. Mm-hmm. So I think that sort of signal, yeah. that signal is pushed down. But talking le- talking less about uh, Swagger and Del Rio, and more talking about Ziggler. Yeah, Ziggler had held the Money in the Bank briefcase since July the year before. Yeah. Now there was a lot of talk. Promo wise and off screen, that to Ziggler, why are you not cashing in that briefcase? Are you scared? Are you f- f- pretty much fear of failure again? Mm-hmm. So it was building and it was building. And as David David said, uh, a lot of people were c- screaming for Ziggler the night before, mm-hmm. wanted to see the cash in, but they, d- they didn't go with that one and they chose to go with the Raw. That was one of the big signs to me that the Raw after WrestleMania was really a big, sh- a big, a big night, you know. I mean, obviously. Uh, it had yeah. moments before that night but that was one of the ones that and probably one of the ones that happened the year before which I'm not going to mention because yeah. it might come up later on but I think it, it well that that night in itself was symbolic in a way that it planted the seeds that you know the, the diehard fans the ones that really are invested in the product they're the ones who like want to see the workhorses come out on top rather than seeing like I think a good example of this is when Randy Orton versus Sheamus was on that night everybody was more interested in doing a Mexican wave than actually listening to the match so I think it, that night was for the was the workhorses night and I think Ziggler amplified it big yeah, time yeah he'd been in like high profile like matches with Punk and Cena, Cena and yeah. Randy Orton Close as well year, yeah. so he was he was working his way up to for that big moment and that's when he delivered and everybody loved it and I was I remember I was in Canada on holiday when I watched it happen and it was just fantastic. It was a pure look of joy on Biggie's face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would just say with the analogy of Randy Orton and Sheamus, I would say that they are both totally workhorses as well. But oh, I yeah. think maybe what what I would say is that the fan the fans definitely wanted to see hard work paying off because quite often in WWE hard work doesn't always pay off in that major high profile way. I mean the shame about it was that the run they had with the belt was well, it was a disaster from st- uh, start to finish not uh, by his own fault he took he got that concussion yeah, obviously, yeah. and uh, it just set him back then they turned him face well it was it was a lot it was lost he lost it in a double turn which i thought that was quite cleverly booked the double turn itself was good how they followed up the double turn was pretty poor mm. i mean i'm not gonna i think it was saying like give the fans what they want and then just be done with it 
that's I think that was WWE's attitude towards it. But yeah, great pop, brilliant moment, and I got a good way for mm-hmm. you to start off your list, David. Definitely. Thank you. Uh, I'm going with a moment myself. Maybe a bit off topic. Maybe some came ahead, but I thought it was brilliant. Look back on it at the time. Just superb. It came on the November 4th, 1996 episode of Raw. I don't know if this one comes to mind in your head. It involved an uh, announcer who is, was last heard on New Japan. It was the moment where the famous line of, Pillman has a gun. Oh, right. <laughs> Kevin Kelly for those of you not familiar with it this happened on November 4th 1996 where uh, Kevin Kelly interviewed Brian Pillman he just mm. the week before he'd been laid off by Stone Cold Steve Austin Stone Cold Steve Austin has threatened to take out uh, Brian Pillman in his own home which Pillman responded by pulling out a pistol <laughs> to Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, so Austin broke in the gun came out the camera went and this was a theme throughout the show, there was just all these updates. I felt sorry for that poor guy who was meant to be in the production, as he was just getting verbals from Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler all night. But yeah, I thought it was a great moment, just for the pure shock factor. I mean, this was pre-attitude era, mm. this was around uh-huh. about the time before the attitude that was happening. This was one of the first signs that WWE were willing to push the boundaries. And yeah, definitely. Uh, what better guy to, to give that to than Brian Pillman himself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a shocking moment, and it's great when you look back at it, but I think I watched that when I was a child on a VHS, so not live, <laughs> right? But I think that when I was a kid, I just looked at that and thought, yeah, well, yeah, isn't that how Americans settle things? Like, <laughs> 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 they just pull guns on each other. Was it didn't get a lot of complaints for that moment as well. Yeah, yeah. Brian uh, drop the F-bomb. He had, he had to come up the week after and essentially apologise for doing it. <laughs> The payoff to it wasn't, I mean, it was just kind of like, uh, the payoff was that he'd actually missed them, I think it was. The, the guy was like, oh, there's been shots fired. And then Austin had just ran away. <laughs> I think quite often great things do have to draw complaints. So, like, often something really special will divide an audience entirely. Yeah, it was a pure ang- look of anger on um, Pillman's wife. <laughs> just sitting there, like, absolutely raging. And then the minute the gun comes out, it's like... Kevin Kelly was brilliant. That was what I was. What I was. Kevin Kelly's best moment as a WWE employee. Yeah. Just it was just it was just like he's like call the authorities, God. Just pure terror. But uh, no, it was great. I mean, uh, it was kind of Austin was a heel at that point as well. Pillman was meant to be mm-hmm. the face, which was which was weird, you know. But no, I look back on it. I think that's, that was that's, that was good. It was it was the first great example of WWE pushing the boundaries. I think it kind of led to that attitude era, and we started getting more of Austin. But yeah, I, I went with Pillman's got a gun as my first moment. So yeah. Moving around the panel, we may get more than three done here, by the way, so mm. we need to keep an eye yeah, on we're that doing one. quite well here. Yeah. Nathan, what's your second moment? My next moment's on the April 17th, 2000 episode. It's another actually dear one. It's Chris Jericho, inverted commas, wins the WF title. Oh, I had, that, I had that on my list. Yeah, I had that as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a lot of crossover here. This is great, yeah. So, yeah, you want to explain that moment a bit more, Nathan, to the. Basically, the previous, previous, uh, previous week's episode of SmackDown, uh, Chris Jericho had insulted Stephen McMahon, who was obviously married to Triple H, kayfabe at this point. Uh, he confused her one of the Godfather's hoes, <laughs> and so she organised a match between him and Triple H, which was originally non-title, but uh, Chris Jer- uh, Jericho convinced Triple H to make it a title match. Jericho had the APA in his corner, mm-hmm. uh, obviously famously like, protection at the time. Uh, basically, there was a mini feud as well between Triple H and El Hebner. I've <laughs> seen El Hebner angry it's just a lady. This is like a wee bald man just like going mental at Triple H. Uh, basically, uh, the original referee Mike Yo does, uh, he gets knocked out. El Hebner comes in. Um, I think Triple H brings the belt in. He gets out with the belt by Jericho. Line mm-hmm. salt and then the pass count. 
and Jericho is the new champion. Also, it seems. Oh yeah, no, and uh, yeah, Triple H went absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he tries to run away. He tries to run after Jericho, but the, the APA just block him. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a great. That was a great moment. Jericho, obviously, that was at the start of his WWE career, mm-hmm. so he was very over the time. That was also that was as you said, he thought he's Stephanie. That was the point where it became a regular theme. Yeah. On Monday Night Raw, I mean, I miss those days where he just <laughs> verbally ripped up every single week. I can't repeat what he said. No, you can't. We, we, sadly, we can't. But it, no, it was great. He just enticed it and enticed it, and then yeah. Triple H just. What about this one? Um, he was doing a, a promo with Stephanie, and Rhino was standing beside her. I was and thinking he, that one. He was saying, uh, "I'm going to deal with that smelly, greasy, <laughs> disgusting animal, and I'm going to get you too, Rhino." <laughs> that was like one of my favourite moments between them two. Yeah, Gerald was just great in the mic, though. He still yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about it, what, the sad thing was, and it was later, stripped of the title later that night, mm. and uh, it was, uh, it wasn't in the history books, so... Nah. I, I did read somewhere the reason why he got it was, like, <coughs> I think he was just really unhappy backstage, and he was talking to McMahon, I think he wanted to leave, and they'd done that because, mm-hmm. like, it sort of... To stop just to, to keep leave. him around, yeah. Mm. Put the belt, put the belt on him for for like an hour. Yeah, but it was a hell of a moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it got people talking. So I mean, that's I think you know any moment, whether it's good or bad, if it's worth talking, then it's considered great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a good thing over the, the years that followed that the Triple H got so much better mm. at uh, protecting his wife and being mm. showing his anger about it as opposed to I'm putting the belt on the line. And then he eventually starts doing these vicious anger faces it's hard to kind of talk too much about other moments we might talk about later on I don't really think that might that might come up might not come up I don't know but yeah I mean Jericho was so over uh, mm-hmm. pretty much at the height of it it was a shame that he never really got the title until 2001 after yeah. the invasion but yeah fantastic. that's when he became undisputed champion wasn't it yeah. yep yeah but he beat Austin the Rock in the one night the episode of Raw as a whole is actually really good I wouldn't mention well Sam's case someone brings up but just some really good moments in that whole episode yeah, brilliant. It was, it was, the attitude there was at his height, and yeah, it was good to see. Great to see Earl Hebner having, uh, oh, yeah. sticking up for himself. <laughs> Super. Superb. Yeah. Brilliant. Josh, what you got for us next? So, my next moment, I don't think anyone will go for this one actually. It may, might be a bit obscure. I have a big list, so I don't um, know. <laughs> so, uh, 5th of August 2002, any ideas? Is, 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 does it involve ladders? Oh no. Ah, oh, damn, I was cold. I don't know. I'm not too sure. So, this is po- before SummerSlam. Ruthless Aggression <coughs> Era. Uh, please tell me it's not Katie Vick. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, I think this is less obvious as a moment, but maybe more as a fork in the road for storyline, right? Right, so, okay, go for it. Um, it's a bit of context. Shawn Michaels had returned to WWE after about four years away and I guess what was, we thought was retirement at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he returned as part of the NWO, which was very quickly an angle that was next. And then um, he was kind of palling about with Triple H. And I think that this was the point where Triple H was starting to be a major villain. So uh, I remember being really disappointed to see my, one of my favourite good guys uh, teaming up with one of my favourite bad guys. And basically what happened was one day um, Shawn Michaels backstage was hit by a car mm. and <laughs> so the, the moment that was quite special for me was actually next week at the big review where Triple H cut this big promo being all concerned for Shawn Michaels while Shawn Michaels was on the satellite from the hospital allegedly <laughs> and then um, 
eventually they run the actual footage of CCTV of what happened. Uh, and uh, it was the way Triple H, Shawn Michaels turns to Triple H and goes, "It was you, Hunter." It was his face. It's yeah, so I know. Like, it's it's like he didn't know. Yeah, it's like, I, know. I can't I can't believe that. I two, can't believe I did that. Yeah, I can't believe that two weeks after you super kicked me in the middle of the ring, yeah. you yeah. have then done that to me. Who else could it have been? Surely know. it wasn't Booker T after I super no. kicked him. No, no, no. But it was if Triple H didn't know either. He was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, the reason why I think that was a great moment was because they obviously had a chance at that point in time to go down the route of reforming DX and, and telling a story uh, over and over again. But instead, uh, that moment really set up probably the, the best bad guy for the next few years or of that decade even. Um, and Shawn Michaels as well, that's probably a bit more debatable, but one of the best singles um, competitors of the noughties, uh, even though he'd proved himself in the 90s as well. Um, but he was one of the top faces, and at that moment you had a top face, a top heel, and the the, the match payoff in the subsequent years to come, uh, it was just so special. Things like Shawn Michaels winning the... the oh, is it the World Heavyweight? Yeah, it was the World Heavyweight yeah, Championship. Yeah, the Elimination Chamber. The Elimination Chamber. Uh, yeah. The SummerSlam match they had, which was no holds barred or as a street fight, that was pretty epic too. SummerSlam match was brilliant. Was I, like, I think that match, by all means, could have been terrible because you know when you have someone return from retirement, it's their first match, uh-huh. and you say it's no holds barred. You assume maybe it's just going to be, um, you know, a bit of a lazy one with full of spots rather than some actual wrestling. But it was so special, and um, I think the moment I remember was Shawn Michaels diving off a ladder through Triple H, elbow drop through a table outside the ring, and then you know them doing the usual thing where both men take ages to get up then all of a sudden Shawn Michaels just does the kip up and jumps to his feet and it was just this retired hero back better than ever <laughs> and then he gets whacked in the back with a sledgehammer at the end of the match and you think yeah. oh he's gone again he won, he won with a jackknife pin as well so it was kind of like a, a screw it was I mean I'm not a huge fan of roll up finishes but I think that told the story quite well it didn't make Triple H look weak I think he just got caught yeah if you're an underdog it works yeah. I mean, if Braun Strowman was to pull it out, then you'd be like, really? Well, can I still pull that out against him in that dumpster match? That, that, that thing where he, he gets hit with the sledgehammer while he's celebrating, that was classic WWE because what they do is they give you something good and they tell you, but don't enjoy it too much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, was, that was a moment I didn't think was actually going to come up, Josh. I thought maybe the one where he actually betrayed him when he thought there was going DX, to be DX reunion. Yeah. That may come up again later. I may have spoiled I, it. I, think, I think really <laughs> you could have picked any moment from that feud, but for me that was the moment where it felt like a real fork in the road. It was, it was the start of a... Essentially it was nearly, nearly two years rivalry between the two of them, and it just started off brilliantly. Did he, did he not get his head thrown through the window as well? I don't really know. I think mm. he got his head thrown through a window as well. Yeah, because it like, shows you the CCTV and it's like, look who it is, and they unpixelated it. And, like, just <laughs> and the culprit was wearing a Triple H t-shirt as well, which clearly did get away. I know, that was the best part as well. The police would have been absolutely baffled. No, it's great, it's a surprising one. I'm quite glad we got to talk about that. That's brilliant. Thanks for that, Josh. Uh, go back to Andy. Andy, what have you got? Okay, I'm going to follow on from what Nathan said earlier, and it's uh, the announcement of Backlash with... Triple H having him at man's in his corner, so The Rock should have someone in his corner, and that person was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Superb. And Triple H was not happy. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah, this was following on from obviously WrestleMania that year, uh, where uh, Rock had been screwed by the McMahons. I think that was fair to say, because uh, that match at WrestleMania it was a fatal four way with the McMahon in each corner. The Rock had Vince, uh, Triple H and Stephanie, The Big Show had. Uh, Shane. Yep. No, he said Shane, sorry. Yeah, Mick yeah. Foley had Linda. Yeah, that's uh, it. And obviously, it got down to Rock and Triple H, and uh, 
Vince screwed the rock. So it was this whole McMahon, the McMahon Helmsley era was at its peak and we really needed, you needed that face to kind of take them down and there was that thing that the rock maybe wasn't enough and Austin it was obviously on the shelf for, yeah, so, for a good while. There was no announcement for a while and mm. it was, uh, I think the pop we got that night was just as big as if we'd have yeah. been there. Like, uh, was it not that, I think his only appearance after the Survivor Series where he was run down by Rikishi, that damn Rikishi, was via, was an interview with Jim Ross from his home, <laughs> I think. In his net So I think that was, that was the only real moment, so there was no real indication that Austin was going to come back. It wasn't kind of like nowadays, but the, the, it's, it's talked about yeah. on social media, like, oh, Roman Reigns will be back in two weeks, Roman Reigns will be back here. You didn't really notice, it was just kind of feel that surprise. And then, then obviously Austin, we talk about pops, I mean, we talked about that one where, when Mankind won the mm-hmm. title, it was a massive pop, but this one was really big as well. It led to a lot of good fun in that kind of month before Backlash and both Raw and SmackDown. Uh, I think we got the was it the the DX Express did that got blown up on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah that was SmackDown. Classic, yeah, yeah, that was great. But it just showed the level of popularity Stone Cold had at that point in time that uh, he could be out for so long, mm. and he, he still got that same reaction. Kind of sometimes you kind of worry in the current climate if you, somebody goes out for a while that they're just going to lose that fan, that fan, that fact, that factor of fan favoritism. I mean, we worried that with Finn Balor. When he was out for that long, yeah. he mm. obviously debuted. Oh. Brian didn't have that though. I mean, you see, when Brian came, Daniel Brian came back. Uh, he, I think his popularity was was still so peaked. Like everybody wanted to see him win the twenty fifteen Royal Rumble. Well, you kind of worry with the Brian thing. You kind of worry that when they come back, sure the popularity may still be there, but WWE may have moved on to something else. I mean, Vince gets bored. I mean, obviously Austin was a different kettle of fish. Mm. I mean, if Austin, the, I mean, they kind of came back and they, they, there was a point they didn't really know much to him, what to do with him. The NWO feud was a great example of that, but it still had that obvious level of popularity, and uh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, he didn't really make much appearances after that, though, if I'm thinking rightly, until he obviously made it, they came back officially. He was yeah, a good pay-per-view draw, even if he wasn't wrestling. I think that's what the the um, the, the good factor about that backlash mm-hmm. match was. Yeah. But yeah, that was a great moment. Anything else to add, Andy? I was just going to say, I think after the backlash, all the fans were expecting uh, like um, to show up again, and then yeah, um, that was yeah. it. Didn't see him for another few months as well, yeah. A bit of a damp squib. Yeah, that was a great moment. Again, thanks for that one, Andy. Uh, Before we we, we, we take a short break, David, we're going to go back to you. What's your... Okay. um, This one's one's more of a spot rather than a a promo or a a match in the ring. Let me take you back to January 14th, 2008. Oh, yeah, I know what that says. You know what that says? It's... it, Has he got a wonderful brother? He does have a wonderful brother. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I'm talking about wow. Jeff Hardy's massive 33 oh, yeah. foot swanton bomb to Randy Orton off the off the scaffolding. David, would you like to demonstrate it during the break to us? <laughs> I could try. <laughs> you I could mean, try. Yeah, I'll just. Oh, it. this is great. We need to do this now. Yeah, yeah, I'll just. Uh, I'll just open the window and I'll just imitate it for you. <laughs> but yeah, no. That was probably one of the biggest spots in in Raw history. Like uh, Jeff, well. Randy Orton was challenging Jeff Hardy for the Intercontinental Championship, like, because Randy Orton was proclaiming he's going to do what Ultimate Warrior did, and that's hold both the WWE and Intercontinental Championships. Then Orton immediately gets disqualified and just it lays a beat down on him. And But then they sort of fight up to the stage. Jeff gets the advantage. Orton's out for the count next to, like, the stage. And then Hardy climbs one set of the scaffolding, ready to do a, a swanton, and you think, okay, he's just going up one, one stage. But then he decides, no, let's go up two stages. And by that point, he's about 30 feet up. And he just does the most great, graceful swanton bomb. Lands on Orton. And 
Yeah, it's um, there was. I think JR and King had to actually run away because clear space. So you didn't hear commentary as it was happening. Oh yeah, the table had been hmm. right there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, what happened was is that the um, all that really happened was they both got carried out on stretchers, and there was I think there was a wooden floor underneath. It just sort of caved in. But yeah, it's still. I think if anybody did that, if anybody else did that, they'd probably kill themselves. But it was easily one of the best spots I've seen Jeff Hardy do. Jeff Hardy has had so many great moments in, on Raw history. I mean, there's a, there's a few he had. I mean, even at that point where his popularity was in his peak, he had a few when he was obviously with Matt in the early days of the Hardy Boys. But that spot in particular, I mean, you, can, you remember that one all the time. It's one that WWE go back to time and time again. And uh, yeah, the, the, the fans, it was a good pop, especially around about mm. 2008, where it could be argued that the fans' interest in the product wasn't at its peak. It probably waned to a lot of the people who were fans during the Attitude Era, and they were trying to get cater to a different audience. And Jeff was starting to push into that upper echelon. Yeah, just the month before as well, he beat Triple H in a number one contenders match at the Armageddon pay-per-view. So that was sort of like the beginning of Jeff's uh, push towards, almost year-long push towards the WWE Championship. And all of 2008, he would always come so close, uh, but he would always fall at like the last hurdle every time. But his popularity was was so so big that he almost at every turn he would get an opportunity to fight for the title. Yeah. By the end of that year, he was getting like probably as loud a pop as what Austin was getting. Mm. Gadget the other. He was the most over guy on oh, the yeah, roster at the time. He's yeah. pop when he actually won the title. That was incredible. Armageddon 2008 was a massive one as well. Again, shame that they dropped the ball with that one as well. It's a shame it like they uh, it took him a whole year from the previous year's Armageddon just to become a main event player slash number one well, contender. Well, they not have a was it the year before or that year they had the wellness policy violation? It was two that it was just before Mania in 2008. He had the wellness policy. Yeah, violation. so that probably set him back a wee bit. And that's why he dropped the Intercontinental title to Jericho. Well, he was going to win Money in the Bank that year. He was scheduled to win Money in the Bank. Yeah, and they obviously gave it to the Punk and the rest is history. So, mm. yeah, that's interesting. Well, at least he won. At least he got to get the big payoff and win the title anyway. Sure. MDL's else got anything to add in that moment before we move on? Nope. We're all good. Excellent. So, yeah, that has been the first half of our show talking about their greatest or favourite moments in Raw history. If you are listening to us live, then message us on social media with your favourite moments and we may discuss that. Maybe on our list. Who knows? Uh, so, yeah, we're going to take a short break and we will see you all in a few minutes is Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Listen up, there's not a moment to spare. It's quite a drop from the top, so how are you feeling down there? It's a cold, cruel, Reality caught, stuck, here with your enemies Hurry! 
and gentlemen, you're coming live from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet on Strathclyde Fusion! Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson, not trying to talk to Vince McMahon now, uh, and I'm joined by David Hockney, Andy Mitchell, Joshua Hong, and Nathan Fisher. We have been talking about our favourite moments in the Monday Night Raw history in preparation for the upcoming Raw 20th anniversary celebrations. 25. 25. I said 25. You said 20th. No, I said 25. You said 20th. Uh, the stats guy knows that there's a difference between 25 and 20. <laughs> oh, whatever, we'll Raw 25. Uh, <laughs> if you are listening to us live, uh, Comment to us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram with your favourite moments. Uh, if you are listening live and you're enjoying what you're hearing, uh, we are available on iTunes and podcasts, uh, Android sites. So subscribe to get our full back catalogue. Uh, right, moving on to the next moment, which we're going to move now to myself. Uh, and I am I'm trying to go outside the box with these ones. And yeah, we've, we've all been quite outside the box as, as of late, yeah. I'm going for a moment that happened on the Raw after WrestleMania 30. Oh, yeah. It was something which would go on to become quite emotional in the days that followed. It was the final stand of the Ultimate Warrior. Oh yeah, mm. that's sad. Yeah, yeah, for those of you not familiar with the moment, uh, it was quite a, a vague. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so not familiar with the moment, uh, Ultimate Warrior was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in, at WrestleMania 30. Uh, the Raw after WrestleMania came out and did this big speech where he said that pretty much the the legend of Ultimate Warrior would live forever in the fans, but the fans, a few days later, they would sadly pass away. So, guys, looking back on that moment, I mean, what was your feeling? What was your feelings on this, how this, the impact of this? Well, I think it was really good for Ultimate Warrior because you know he had not had the most, um, well, so to speak, colourful history with uh, WWE. Uh, he was he was hated by Vince and a lot of the guys in the back saying he was quite unprofessional. So, I think. This promo, after being inducted in the Hall of Fame, it really—I think he was sort of burying the hatchet on everything. You know, he, he felt maybe he had some regret for, and he, had, he even had the mask on as well when he delivered the promo. And but that one line I remember him saying was that, um, you know, in your moment that when your heart stops beating and you want to put everything to rest, yeah. you know, that made me think. All right, he doesn't sound like he's in good health. So it was quite, um, it was quite a, a very sort of. It tugs at your heartstrings, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was quite. It was quite. I mean, I I was quite shocked. See, at the time, I was quite shocked about it all because I wasn't really sure. Uh, I thought it was quite sudden, but see, when you look back on the actual promo itself, I looked back in a few weeks ago. It was quite clear that he didn't look. He didn't look in the best physical state. He looked a bit quite shaky, you know. It, that type of thing, you kind of <clears throat> appreciate a guy like Ultimate Warrior what he brought to the business. Uh, so yeah, I thought that as a pure. Di- from going away from maybe the stuff we've talked about so far as an emotional moment I think that's one that kind of sticks to me as one in Monday Night Raw and that will go on forever so yeah Ultimate Warriors Federal stands my next one right I think we may end up getting time for more than three yes, so away, yeah. yep so it looks like <clears throat> it so we're going to go back now to Nathan who <laughs> will give us his next moment my next moment involves CM Punk but it's not the pipe bomb it's actually two weeks yeah. after on the July 11th 2011 episode it's the CM Punk live contract negotiation oh yeah Vince McMahon Going a little off topic here, Nathan. Was that the one? Uh, that was the month the raw before. The raw before Money Bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was the perfect way to set up that pay per view. Um, 
just seeing Vince like squirm as well, <laughs> being like pretty much forced to apologise for like firing Punk's pals like Coke Cabana, Luke Gallows. Uh, John Cena came out as well. Um, basically tried to like steal the show, but nah, Punk just put him <laughs> in his place. Just Fan brought, speech. Just brought, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant to watch. Great follow-up from the pipe bomb as well. Oh yeah, so it was kind of an extension of that. Really. It felt felt real obviously it wasn't real but it just felt real like the pipe yeah bomb. it's like a lot he was basically being the vocal point for what a lot of fans were thinking over the years like a lot yeah. of talented guys getting let go and him just vince having like a one you can't spoil dimensional you mind. can't yeah. spoil the pipe bomb someone might talk about the pipe bomb <laughs> <laughs> not me <laughs> he mocks uh, the whole anti-bullying thing that he had going on at the time and yeah he got Con- cut off yeah convinced the biggest bully he's ever met in his entire life stuff like that mm. I'm curious as to what he would have said about the anti-bullying campaign as well because it sounded like he had a a very good uh, amount to say about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but moving on from the pipe bomb and back to this actual promo I mean there was a l- he, he was nego- trying to negotiate a lot of things in that contract yeah he wanted a private jet he wanted the ice cream bars to come back yeah oh the yeah. ice cream bars ice was brilliant bars, right. yes I think he got them. That was a running gag. He did get them in the end, didn't he? It's a perk where he He gets to push Vince whenever he wants. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right mix, like comedy, real. Yeah, he wanted his his face on everything like shoes, socks, the turnbuckles, the ring, Titantron, knife, spoons, knives, forks, the lot. Uh, But what I think was actually quite clever um, for WrestleMania, you can keep. He said Vince could keep John Cena and The Rock his little fantasy match, but the match that CM Punk competes in will be the main event. Well, he did fight Jericho at that meeting, so that was a, that is a big match. Well, again, you can't argue that, you know, people might think, oh, there's like four main events in one WrestleMania. I still think there should only just be one that's defined as the main event, i.e. the match mm. that goes on last. So, I mean, I suppose with WWE's argument that you can get multiple main events, it kind of did, he kind of did main event, but if your last match on the main event, it, it, that didn't happen. It's like, also the first... Uh, I think it's the first moment where Punk refers to himself as the voice of the voiceless. That's right, yep. <laughs> it's interesting the fact that WWE did such a good job in the weeks following the, the pipe bomb to actually keep the suspense going of, is he going, mm-hmm. is he not going? I mean, I, 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 as far as I'm aware, he didn't sign the contract until the night of Money in the Bank or the mm-hmm. weekend of Money in the Bank. It so was, Yeah, it was like a few hours before Money in the Bank show. So there was that sense of realism to it, but Punk was on great form. Mm. See, just on as a follow-up from that though, um, a few weeks later when uh, they had that tournament to crown <laughs> the new uh, champion, like yeah, <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. But um, the the boundaries between reality and fiction were just so blurred that yeah. when CM Punk came back right at the end of the night, obviously I know that they knew he was he was going to be there, but the whole idea that he only signed a contract on that same day, I don't know if that's true or whether that's just what's being reported, it's, but it's, the whole thing, it's one of those moments where you'll never actually know, and that's what makes that such a perfect story, because you have no idea what's real or not real anymore. See, the thing that kind of ruined his return, I mean, obviously, Cult of Personality was a great theme, but it was the fact that he kept, they, they just played Cult of Personality, personality and you're like who's this yeah and then yeah. obviously it comes out and that's when the pop comes but i yeah. think that part was important because it was a kind of sign that he'd got what he wanted mm-hmm. um and cult of personality you know it's a very famous song they would have had to have shelled out some money for oh, it yeah. as well oh yeah, yeah. just spent on the rights to play it and mm-hmm. so. wasn't that his song in uh, ring of honor i think he may have had at one point mm-hmm. maybe yeah but you know what was really good about that as well like the music was playing but no titantron came up you know it was just like the raw banner and stuff and everybody's thinking right whose music is this because there's no titantron supporting it and then it only came the titantron came on when he came out and yeah. i thought that was a very symbolic but yeah that was a great moment it's even even the way it ends sorry it's uh, like it says say goodbye to the title say goodbye to john cena say goodbye to cm punk 
rips up the contract and then he says maybe I'll be the best in the world with somewhere else so yeah. mm. the, the, a perfect um, yeah. moment as well was the next day after Money in the Bank when there was a tweet from CM Punk showing where he was holding <laughs> the WWE title <laughs> and was sitting in his fridge brilliant yeah that was a great moment and one I wasn't actually expecting to hear on tonight's show so that's brilliant thanks for that Nathan uh, Josh we'll go back to you what's your third moment mm-hmm. So again, quiz, June 23rd, 2003. Anyone got any ideas what could have happened on that date? Uh, Smackdown 6, maybe? No, that was last <laughs> year. That was year before. We're not talking about Smackdown. We're talking about Raw. <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it something to do with a, a fiery character? Yes. Yeah, okay. So you've got it. Um, on June 23rd, 2003, Kane lost a match to Triple H. Uh, I guess the feud was sort of evolution versus Kane and Rob Van Dam, um, and the stipulation was that Kane would have to unmask. And Kane obviously was billed as one of the most terrifying characters in WWE's history long before 2003. However, I'm of the opinion that there was no one more terrifying than unmasked Kane. <laughs> so <laughs> wait, that's why you want to say. Can I ask? Is it on this note? I mean. Why did he cut his hair? Did he was his hair? Was he, did he wear the wig? <laughs> did he have yeah. the wig on the mask for a while before that moment? Yeah, it's funny because like there was so many questions raised from that night. Like, what next? Are Kane and Rob Van Dam still going to be partners? But everyone's like, wait, what happened to Kane's hair? <laughs> <laughs> People wanted to know <laughs> the small details on that one. Um, I think that um, sometimes what's special about a moment isn't just the moment itself, but the kind of follow up to it. And after that, I was a small child and I was genuinely a wee bit afraid to watch Raw. Because I remember hearing online, I missed the episode, but I remember hearing that he'd set Jim Ross on fire, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, thank, thank goodness, I didn't watch Raw on that day." Then the next time I tune in, uh, and he's um, sorry, sorry, there was another one that was uh, when he's electrocuting Shane McMahon with with the jumper cables or something. Yeah, like that. And, and and Shane's boss. I remember like there was a sense of enjoying Raw, but then when Kane would come on, I'd suddenly be like really, really anxious. And I remember <laughs> watching him string up Rob Van Dam with some rope, and then like pour gasoline all over him, and I was absolutely terrified, well, just pleading with reality. Please don't set him on Kane fire. Kane went full fifty shades of grey there. We, we can list some of the moments that Kane did after these unmasking on Raw. So we, Josh came out. He, he set Jim Ross on fire. He tombstoned an elderly lady. He was it. Electrocuted Shane McMahon's testicles. He obviously did that to RVD. He was involved in a crash with a uh, with a truck in a limo. Uh, when he got, when I end up in hospital, he ended up getting thrown into a fiery uh, tanker. Yeah. A skip, yeah. Skip, yeah, yeah. He buried his brother alive on a pay per view. <laughs> I'd say his behaviour was rude and inconsiderate to say the least. Yeah. But <laughs> as for the moment itself, this is I, I remember. I remember Rob Van Dam making that moment quite interesting because it wasn't. Everyone was obviously excited to see Kane's mask come off, but when it was about to come off, even though people have been waiting to see his face for years, Rob Van Dam's like look of sadness almost made you think, "Oh no, keep it on, keep mm-hmm. it on!" Like it suddenly felt like a really heartbreaking situation, well, and then it went quickly from heartbreaking and upsetting to terrifying. Well, the unmask and the tease that so many times over five years, it was sometimes points. I remember DX stole the mask and he was faced oh, yeah. down. Uh, NWO stole his mask and he was laid off for a few months. So we knew it was going to happen eventually. It was this whole big thing. And then obviously we just became full on cycle. I mean it could be argued as well the things he did the year after were, on storyline wise, were worse than what he did that year. <laughs> I think it could be fair to say. Uh, relationship <laughs> <laughs> I've just blurred out most of Kane's antics from like those two years. 
because they were just so mortifying. Yeah, I think as well though, I was at that time thinking I'm too afraid to watch Raw now and I think, mm. I can't remember what was on Smackdown but I'm pretty sure it was like Mr. America or something, it just wouldn't have cut it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well I mean, seeing Kano do all that <clears throat> stuff on TV, it makes you wonder what he does in his personal life. <laughs> If Donald Trump getting Stone Cold Stunners or shaving Vince McMahon's hair came up during Donald Trump's campaign, like, imagine what's going to come up during Kane's campaign. Yeah, oh, it's going to all of that will come up definitely. Oh, you can't fathom. Actually, no, that that, that may be used to your campaign against him, saying this is what he does to other people. I just remember when that moment happened. I remember because we didn't really have YouTube and stuff then. And it was like Mongo was like, you know, that's not the real one. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, that's not the real kind. I had to replace him. Like, just came up with this fabricated story of why. Do you remember like, the meme that came out with Kane a couple of weeks, a couple of, a few years ago, when it was all the things he's done, like he's yeah. tombstone the priest, he's tombstone Pete Rose, he put his father in, in a nice cap in a nice locker. I love how your uncle pulled out a lie that's usually reserved for like dead pets or something like that. Oh, it's not really Kane. He's just got up to a farm (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the unmasking of Kane was a great moment and it was one that was well hyped and it kind of lived up to the hype in a way but yeah great moment again the line was the testicles being electrocuted see when that comes up during his mayor campaign like there's no way he's going to be able to turn around and go oh you're taking that situation out of context you think corporate Kane was just like a a lead in to be mayor he's like I want to run for mayor in four years like right we're going to put you in a suit we'll put you in a suit and compete in a suit but yeah, it was a great moment. Thanks for that, Josh. Uh, Andy, what's your next one you've got for us? All right, I, it might come up, but I'm going to just uh, do it now. Mine's is, I, I don't know when it was, but it was the summer of 99, just before uh, King of the Ring, and there was this uh, huge thing about the ministry of that there was a higher power. Ah, yes! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we get to the ring. Uh, if I remember correctly, there's a hooded figure in the ring. McMahon's on the Titan Tron. He's like, reveal yourself. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> <laughs> is the higher power <laughs> yeah so in case anybody isn't familiar with the higher power angle for months Undertaker had been leading the ministry of darkness which was his dark stable who were doing very dark things to people uh, and obviously he said he's been influenced by this higher power one of the people he was doing a lot of things to were Vince including abducting his daughter and also Ken Shamrock's sister whatever happened to her uh, so yeah this all he, it turned out that Vince was revealed to be <laughs> the higher power yes Vince had been had been orchestrating the kidnapping and torturing of his own daughter so I do just love what JR's reaction because it's just like it's like oh it's effing could be anyone else uh, it's like oh yeah, god the way he delivers the reveal is like it was me Austin it was me all along Austin you say my Vince impression was you mucked up the first bit are we doing Vince impressions but it's yeah. me Austin yes, oh, yes. Damn, that's terrible yeah that was I just terrible. love it when he's like let's just none of us do Vince impersonations I've got one on the go I just love it when he just is like even my family even my immediate family didn't see it. Yeah, that was just as that, bad. That implies that implies like his cousins and his nieces kind of knew what was happening. It was like it's like it's like uh, Uncle Vince is doing some nasty stuff in there, <laughs> on his job. See, looking back, see, see, see at the time if you get the higher, it was kind of like, oh no, it's Vince. What happened? To but see, looking back at it, it's got that kind of pop culture thing to just, oh yeah, just just the reveal itself is just kind of, yeah. it, it just gets so many times. I mean, it's I'm sure, I'm sure it came up recently on the, the was it when Paul Lambert gave reveals the stoke oh, manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's one of those soap opera moments. You know, you've got a good storyline, it's going somewhere, and then all of a sudden they just mess it up right, and then it's at the key point. Because it was an amazing moment, but it just did not make any story. <laughs> it, it was an amazing moment for the wrong reasons, that's why. 
Yeah, it was, it was the fact that this had all been done to screw over Steve Austin. Yeah. I mean, Steve Austin wasn't even involved with the ministry for three months. Well, yeah, to screw over Steve Austin, even though he helped him at Backlash to win the title, because why not? <laughs> was there any... Who was originally supposed to be the higher power? That's it was meant to be get. Don Callis, I think. Well, the, uh, of New Japan. Roberts team. as well. Yeah, Jay Roberts was mentioned. And yeah, Don Callis, the two, I've heard. Yeah. Where, where, would it, where would it have gone from there? It was just... Oh. Oh, we don't know you, you know. I mean, Jay probably wouldn't have talked. One can only wonder, yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, we wouldn't have got that great first blood match at fully loaded with Taker and Austin. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have got the wouldn't have got the mo. Did we? Did we still never know who was lifting up the briefcase at King of the Ring '99? No, it was never revealed, but strongly suggest it was Big Boss Man. Did we ever know who the Raw General, the anonymous Raw General Manager was? <laughs> yeah, it was Hornswoggle. No, no, that's what you don't get. I don't think the I don't think even the <laughs> management knew who the anonymous Raw GM was. I think it was just Hornswoggle was just a way to write it off. But I didn't believe it was if it was Hornswoggle. <laughs> Should have been Michael Cole. <laughs> you see, Michael Cole would have made sense. That could have been you in that suit. It might have been me, yeah. You would have got booed at the building. <laughs> yeah, the higher power. I mean, it's great. I, I really liked. I, I, see, look, at the time of the ministry, I was terrified. But see, looking back, at it, I really liked it. I loved the point where Vince was doing the interview with Stephanie in an old location, and Midian was in the car park, and Vince, <laughs> just, Vince just beats up Midian. <laughs> Midian is a is actually it's a professional wrestler and is getting beat up by Vince. Just tell know? me, just tell me it wasn't naked Midian. <laughs> no, good, good, Yeah, no, I I I remember with the ministry one of the terrifying moments being uh, during the Royal Rumble 1998 or maybe 1999 yeah with Mabel yeah 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 with Mabel yeah yeah no I loved it but no I loved it about that show I mean there was a point you seen them in the car park they were beating up Mabel into the limousine Undertaker's just casually standing there and then Austin comes by in the ambulance it's like Taker I mean if Taker was out to get Austin surely he would have stopped that ambulance yeah and ended up right the ministry in a car though it just suddenly takes away the supernatural <laughs> element like you can't imagine like all of them just getting in like a rental vehicle and driving <laughs> but yeah higher power was a great was a great moment and one of the ones I look back fondly in my history so thanks for that Andy I, it was, I was hoping somebody was going to bring it up David right uh, December 6th 2004 any ideas December 6th 2004 yes Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. You got yeah, it, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think he knows. Was that a punt? Was there a punt in that? Is it no, there was do no with punt. I don't think the punt was around back then. Is it to do with evolution? Evolution, in a sense, not the evolution stable. Okay. <laughs> like I, an yeah. Evolution of something. I, I got it wrong. Pick it up, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Uh, well, you say evolution. Let's talk about revolution. <laughs> and I say this was the day the real women's revolution started. Oh, yeah, Is it yeah. Eva Marie. <laughs> evolution. <laughs> <laughs> No, it wasn't Eva Marie. It was Trish and Lita main eventing Raw for the first time for the Women's Championship. Excellent. Excellent. Love it. Now that, like I said, I believe that was the true start of the Women's Revolution. Yeah, back in a time where, where brand panties matches were more of the thing in women's wrestling, yeah. uh, we got Trish and Lita main eventing Raw. I mean, am I right? I am right in saying this isn't actually the first time that the, the women main evented Raw, but this was the first actual match. I believe Stephanie and Lita main evented Raw uh, for the women's title. I don't think that's true. I think that's Trish and Lita's match was first. Um, yeah, when that's the I, one with the rock. Yeah, I was yeah. Going to say rock. Yes, yeah. that did that main event that I, I remember that main event in that show. I may be completely wrong. If I'm wrong, please correct me. Uh, but yeah, that was the first one where it was actually a proper match. You know, mm. that, even if it wasn't. But yeah, great. No, it was like a solid match from start to finish. Like the, the two best female wrestlers in the company 
literally not just it wasn't just great wrestling it was also great storytelling because it goes as far back as Survivor Series where Lita broke Trish's nose in what was essentially a match didn't start and it was a disqualification to Trish vic- uh, victory but then that sort of like was the payoff angle where Trish's nose was basically healed she took she went into the match with the the face mask on and she took it off halfway through mm-hmm. and that was also a match where Lita did that huge dive spot mm. to the outside kind of like Big E's diving spot, but much better. Oh, she did her neck in again, didn't she? Well, kind of, yeah. Like, legs went over the top of her head, and, yeah, she landed, like, a in that awkward sort of C-shape that you shouldn't be landing in. I mean, before we got Charlotte and Sasha Banks a million times on Raw, I mean, this was, well, still is, in my opinion, the greatest female rivalry in WWE history. Mm. The two of them just... Even though they were both faces for a good bit of their career, the rivalry was great. You just sensed every time they got in the ring that they just wanted to beat the heck out of each other. And Trish was the, the heel at the time as well. She was uh, the heel champion for quite a while. Yeah, that heel run was that heel run was interesting. I mean, she started off with Christian and it was good, then she had that one. Then she ended up with uh, uh, Viscera. Yeah, that was uh, after that. Yeah, but it kind of went... That was a but heel yeah, run. The heel run went about The heel, heel run stopped when Viscera basically squashed her. Literally. <laughs> That's how a lot of things end. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think... Because I don't think really, you know, like you said before, women were basically treated as sort of like the the comic relief or this is the this bit just for you red-blooded males out there will give you a, a, an evening gown match or a brand panties match kind of stuff. But no, this was a... Le- it was like two women being treated as equals in wrestling ability and it was for the championship. I'm going to ask the panel this one, this is a comparison. What main event was better? Was Trish and Lita or Charlotte and Sasha? Based on the quality of the wrestling, what, what one was better? I mean, obviously Trish and Lita was the first, but what one was the better match? I haven't seen Lita Trish in a while, so probably say Charlotte, Sasha. Well, well, Charlotte Sasha was kind of pay-per-view rather than Raw, but yeah, I see... They did have a main event on Raw, they did yeah, main event on yeah. Raw. Oh wait, yeah. was that the False Count Anywhere? That was the, the first one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, let's say, I can't really remember Lita in that, but I remember there was a lot of like uh, fan reaction to that, so I'll probably go with Lita and Trish. Mm-hmm. Josh? I'm going to go with Charlotte and Sasha, and also if you think about, you know, the what happened later on WWE did not uh, do that uh, angle again for like 10 years mm-hmm. yeah exactly so that probably says something about how successful it was yeah I would go with Trish and Lee. I had both of them on my list originally and I took the, the Sasha and uh, Charlotte one out so yeah, yeah. That was a, that's a great moment and it's great how you obviously look at where women's wrestling is at now it just told a it just told a really good story as well. I think that's why I prefer Trish and Lita to Charlotte and Sasha. But not not taking away anything from they two because I think they delivered like a really good. But I think Charlotte and Sasha just came rip, too repetitive too quickly. I think that's kind of what led it down, and they were hot potatoing the title too much. No, totally. But yeah, that was a great moment, great moment for women's wrestling. Right. So my next one, uh, I originally wanted to do Mankind winning the title, so um, I need to go to my Plan B because. There's always a plan B. <laughs> yes, it's the moment that the shield broke up where Seth Rollins betrayed uh, Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns. This still hurts me. I can't watch this on the <laughs> network. This actually hurts me. I, I, <laughs> Dean Ambrose deserved an Oscar for that particular moment. <laughs> so, yeah. Everybody who knows the shield as they are, are now, they were obviously around in 2012 to 2014. Uh, they just came off a big feud with Evolution, winning it. Batista had walked out the company. You were wondering what was going to happen. Triple H and Orton came down to stare them down and ran and that damn Seth Rollins hit Roman Reigns in the back with a chair. Look at it now, some fans might actually like that, but at that point in time it was heartbreaking and I literally could not watch that for like weeks. 
Seth was my favourite. I didn't want him to talk. Thought, thought it was too early to break up a shield. See, so that's, that's the thing about looking back on it, yeah. Mm, no, I, I disagree. I think, I mean, while it was sad to see them go, I think the timing was just about right. I mean, what what else were they going to do? They'd just beaten the arguably one of the greatest stables in wrestling history twice. And the night before was a, an elimination match. None of the shield got eliminated. That was a great so match. So that was, that was a brilliant performance on their part. Who was it they just defeated twice? Was it Evolution? Evolution, yeah. 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 They it beat was, them in a, it was a, it was an elimination match. No holds barred elimination not, match. And there was no eliminations for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Blue-teaster. Blue-teaster. And that was trending as well. Like, WWE posted that. I mean, that uh, the Dean Ambrose reaction to that betrayal went viral. Oh, his face. His, <laughs> oh, his yeah. face. Oh, my God. His face just dropped. It was horrifying. <laughs> Uh, there's even a clip on YouTube which actually um, it takes a clip from a Simpsons oh, episode yeah. and it plays that it's like watch this Leash you can actually pinpoint the second where his heart rips in half and now and you just see Ambrose with the essentially the whole Malone face but without the, the hands to his face it, it, was, it literally hurts me it hurts me it was painful to watch it was like why are you doing it why Seth Dean's the heel looking back Seth I like Seth Rollins heel run to be fair but <laughs> I was like why Dean, I think Dean's a more natural heel. I think he definitely would have paid better if it was him. Yeah, so I remember the build up to it because it was like Seth Rollins was kind of like the third man, wasn't he? Like nobody yeah. really knew what he was going to do, and he was like everyone was saying Roman's going to do this, Dean's going to be <clears throat> the big heel, and Seth's just going to get like lost in the mix. And mm-hmm. the fact that he was the one that turned heel and look how his career went after that it was like absolutely amazing. Nobody expected it coming. No, oh, def- it was it, it was a shock because I didn't expect it to happen so soon. I mean, they obviously just won that big match and it's like whoa they've, they've done this so quickly I wonder and it led to a lot of great things obviously he had that big heel run uh, money in the bank his feud with Ambrose that followed that led to some other great raw moments such as uh, well not great raw moments funny raw moments like Dean Ambrose with the popcorn and Dean Ambrose with the ice bucket <laughs> just, just or, or with the briefcase oh, oh yeah. where he put all this stuff in the briefcase yeah and just shook and the, he put the, the slime launcher in the briefcase as well. That was pretty funny. <laughs> it was funny moments, but they were like, they weren't great moments, but yeah, it led to a lot of great stuff. But looking back at it, I kind of think it was maybe the right time. At the time, I didn't think it was the right time. But yeah, it was it's memorable for the fact that they were one of the greatest stables of all time, as we discussed a few weeks ago on our stable show. And yeah, it just had that impact of, it just, a lot of fans felt it, you know. We, we talked about the, with the Money in the Bank, when Josh talked about the Miz with that girl, the girl being absolutely raging. You, the best moments are ones that you, the fans can feel. They feel not. They feel a, an instant reaction to it, and that was one of those ones. So yeah, shield breaking up hurts me, but it's one of it's one of the top moments in Raw history. Right, so we've got about twenty odd minutes left. We can get another moment in each, I think. Here, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> should we go uh, big with this one, or should we just keep it? Oh, we go with whatever we want. Nathan, yeah. go for it. What's your final one? My next one is also my plan B because Andy mentioned Daniel Bryan. It also includes Evolution. Funnily enough. It's from the February 21st, 2005 episode of Raw. It's Batista WrestleMania 21 yes. contract. Yes, yes. The thumbs down moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. When, he cho- when he chose Raw mm. over SmackDown. Yeah, that was that was brilliant. There was a lot. There was a big tease to that point. He was on No Way Out the night before as exactly. well. I was about to mention that, yeah. I liked how they did that actually at a time when the brands didn't really cross over unless it was like WrestleMania. I thought it was mm-hmm. pretty good to sort of do that. Storytelling. Yeah. Like, not just from like, I think it was started around like maybe Survivor Series or something. That's when the seed started to get yeah. getting planted. It was kind of similar to what WWE wanted to do with Roman Reigns, but it kind of happened organically mm. with Batista, where he was kind of he was that powerhouse of the, st- of the stable, and then he eventually got to a level of popularity, won the Royal Rumble, and uh, he was becoming too big for Evolution, mm. and Triple H was scared of that, so he wanted yeah. Evolution, he wanted him to go to SmackDown, so that he could keep the title. 
Yeah, during that assignment, Triple H talks about how like signing for a SmackDown would be best for Evolution. Like Triple H is World Heavyweight Champion, Batista is WWE Champion, which is probably actually a pretty cool idea. Think about, think about it. Yeah, like and they were teasing the he was jumping. He might he might jump brand. You know, he was appeared on oh, SmackDown yeah, yeah. a couple of times. He was at No Way Out the, the same year. But yeah, I think. But the most iconic part of that was seen when he was holding the SmackDown contract. Mm-hmm. He just dropped the Raw one on the on the floor. Thumbs up, and then he just slowly yeah. goes thumbs down along with the crowd pop. It, that was actually some Triple H and Flair as well. It was a good bit of repeat because uh, obviously Triple H had done that to Randy Orton. Yeah, yeah. Many months before that, and it was kind of a good storytelling to, to go back to that moment. It was, like, it was like a good turnaround moment. It's like he does it to one of his own Evolution team members, and now it's uh, it's the other way around. I think it was like karma on Triple H's part. It was that point we were finally getting to see Triple H get yeah. his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. And because he'd obviously been dominating the main event scene for so long, it was it's that great of terror. Yeah, and it finally ended with that one. And They put on a good, a decent enough match at WrestleMania, I would say. Uh, it was good, but not the best I've seen. It was better than Cena JBL. Yeah. Let's not lie about that. <laughs> yeah, I think we all knew Cena was going to win the, his first title then, there and then. Who'd have thought Cena would go on to win so many <laughs> titles and marry Nikki Bella? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, anyway, thanks for that, Nathan. That's a great final point to go into. Josh, what's your final one? Right, so since we never expected to get this far uh, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of discussion, I'm going to quick fire three really small ones at you and you can talk about whatever you want. About sure, them, right? shoot for it. Go so, for it. Right, first one, uh, Muppets Invade Raw <laughs> on 2011. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I loved it. I thought it was lols. Uh, <laughs> second one is completely buried in WWE's history. They've never mentioned it once since. I bet you no one else some people even here might even remember this happened. Uh, Kid Rock performing on Raw in the year 2000. So he performed American Badass, uh, which was, I think they used it briefly for The Undertaker. And I've always loved that connection between wrestling and rock and roll. Uh, it was one of the last performances with Joe C as well, who unfortunately passed away in the same year at 26 years old. Um, and the last one, I'm so biased as a Scotsman. Uh, I have to say I love this moment, especially because I was there live for it. Uh, Noam Dar debuting at the Hydro on oh, Monday yeah. Night Raw. I was, was, yeah, I was fantastic. Well, yeah. I was sitting right next to you when that happened as well, so I can share the uh, the emotion that came out. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the three. Feel free to pass any comments on those two, of which are quite C-list. I think Raw Glasgow in general was a big mark-out moment because, you know, it was the first time they did Monday Night Raw in Scotland, mm. not just Glasgow. And... But I remember what you were saying about the Noam Dar pop. I mean, I think that was arguably the loudest pop of the night. Yeah, I still remember seeing him for the first time at the garage in Glasgow in 2013. Yeah. I remember, like, I, I don't know what his age is, I don't want to speculate on it, but I remember it muttering around the audience, like, oh, that guy's, you know, he's only 18, he's only 17, yeah. he's only 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> like, a few years later, he's on Monday Night Raw. It was amazing to see, it was great yeah. to see him. But yeah, um, I think the first time I saw him as well was like a, the year after at Space Boss in 2014. And I remember saying, if he gets, if he goes to WWE, that would be fantastic. And then seeing him come out to that ovation, it was just so satisfying to see. Especially because he retained a lot of that charm that he has with the smaller audiences that he yeah. was doing before yes. he went to WWE. All his little taunts and things like that, and body language, it was all the exact same, and it was just, mm. it was I'm a really feel-good moment. I'm glad he's kept like the slang on Twitter as well. He's not like, yeah, no, he's not done a Drew. Pretty much. I anyway. remember Rob Glasgow also had that 
almost five minute long Hey Bailey chant going yeah. on as well. That was a really good moment too. Yeah, I think the difference is though, like when Drew went there, they were like, everyone needs to speak American. Yeah. But now they're like, actually, diversity is okay. A Scottish accent's fine, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, three, three good moments. The Muppets one completely flew over my head. <laughs> the interaction between Seamus and Beaker never gets old. It's like, oh. oh, I can't make the family reunion this year, fella. Yeah, I thought it was great. I just love when they do something completely mad and out there. It was supposed to be a bit of a jokey episode, so I'll give them props for doing this, uh, what they did with that one. Yeah, but we won't talk about that one anymore for now, because obviously in a few weeks' time we'll be talking about the Muppets movie review. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you've spoiled it so much, Josh. Yeah, fact, three good quickfire moments there. Andy. Go for it, what's your one? So I'm going to do the same in like name phrase. I've got like loads to choose from. So, uh, first one uh, would be Ric Flair returns and he's the <laughs> coach, <laughs> owner of WWF or WWE. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Uh, my other moment is when <laughs> Vince McMahon's in hospital. And <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> <and> Mick oh, <laughs> love it all! <laughs> And Mick Foley's there trying to cheer him up, and it's not working. And then later on, Austin <laughs> shows up and, and beats him up. And the last ones I haven't mentioned any matches is the uh, Gold Rush tournament with Michaels and Shelton Benjamin. Oh, the oh, super kick from oh, yeah. the air. That was amazing. No, that one with Vince in the hospital. I mean, the debut of Soko. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the bed punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it's, what makes it is all the rubbish that Austin's talking yeah. about. It's like, I can take it from here, nurse. <laughs> It's just his reaction when he realises the voice. It's just him screaming as well. It's just really funny. They're not like that was actually a proper bedpan, and he oh just yeah. took a square on the nut and the nut. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. But I think what you've just done there is illustrated a, a classic moment. So like a lot of us today have picked ones that we probably didn't expect uh, would have came up because WWE have covered it so much recently, like the pipe bomb and stuff like that. So it's it's good that you've brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was I wasn't going out. It was quite hard, but I thought <laughs> it's just so funny. I watched it recently, and it's just I just cry every time. It's just so funny. <laughs> I think because we all probably expected everyone to have come to the table with the same moments. We've all picked like our favourite <laughs> raw B sides, <laughs> Muppets. Yeah, we, we like we're going to like we're throwing curveballs left, right, and centre here. I think that's a good thing. That, that's what it was. It was the Muppets, and you know, Mister Sarko. So you know, but. Might as well segue. Why, <laughs> yeah. David, have you got some curveballs for your ones? Yes, I do, actually. Uh, I'm going to do, again, quick fire three, Go uh, just to name a few. Uh, Eric Bischoff becoming Raw General yeah. Manager. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was a big turnaround moment. Oh, like, nobody expected that to happen. That was a cracker. Yeah, what else we got? Oh, yeah, I mentioned this on the Best of 2017 Raw, but this, I always rewatch this video whenever I feel like the wrong guy's getting pushed, and it's um, Roman Reigns's... 10 minutes of abuse from the audience before just saying this is my yard now oh yeah that's yeah cool. like every time I feel down about you know the wrong talent getting pushed I would just watch this and just pretend that's them getting the abuse and and it the, the amount of creativity and how long it went on for I was just so impressed by that but yeah I'm gonna throw out probably one of the biggest moments in WWE history um, not just on Monday Night Raw but and th- this one hasn't surprisingly not been mentioned yet it was Stone Cold giving the corporation the beer bash voted oh, number yeah. one oh, by the WWE.com yeah. yeah it basically Austin just the corporation were doing a, a big promo in the ring with Rock as champion and yeah Stone Cold just literally drives this massive beer truck through the Titan Tron. Th- I'm pretty sure the stage moved when it happened and he gets this big hose from the back of the truck and literally sprays beer 
all over everybody in the ring and everybody just gets drenched. Again, again another question on that one. What was better? The Stone Cold Beard Bath or Kurt Angle with the milk truck? Kurt Angle. <laughs> Kurt, <laughs> Kurt with the milk truck. The Definitely. best part was just so random. The I, best, I, it would have been funny if he actually placed the hose like right next to no, it. <laughs> The best part of the milk truck was he'd obviously he took out Stasiak and he's obviously doing all the rig and Stasiak's just on the deck and he just goes <laughs> just from like me to me and David are quite close away and it was just like <laughs> right in his face. Yeah, I swear if he put that hose next to his crotch I'd have been dead. <laughs> That's such childish. PG, PG guys, PG. Oh, you work, you work for WWE. <laughs> hey, don't give me that, all right? No, there were there were some great ones. I mean, the beer truck's great. I mean, obviously voted number one by WWE. I always thought, looking back, that it actually was at the end of the show. It was actually right at the start. I was yeah, quite surprised. I, I, they actually um, tried to do it again on a special Monday Night Raw. I can't remember if it was like um, All Stars Raw or it might have been Raw 15. But yeah, I remember Austin trying to do the same thing again, try and recreate it, but it wasn't as good this time. Yeah, he tried to do it with Santino Morales. Santino as well. and yeah. He soaked the, the fans. He soaked the, the front row, yeah. Like, he put the hose just, he just laid it down and it was pointing at like some poor people that like sat in the front row. It was funny. Those poor people having front row tickets yeah. for all. <laughs> I've got front row tickets for ICW on Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to get such abuse from Billy Kirkwood. <laughs> right, so yeah. Now, I find that I've got the, the 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 scraps pretty much here. There's some good ones that I'm not that I've, I'm not I can't I'm not going to mention that they're good. I thought I'd just mention them quite. Obviously, there is a pipe bomb. There's Jericho's debut. There's Shane McMahon buying WCW. There's DX yeah. invading yeah. WCW. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to go for these ones. I'm going to go up the my left field one has got to be the return of Shane McMahon. Yeah. One of the left field ones. Uh, yeah. Absolute brilliant pop. It was just so such a surprise factor. Uh, I loved it. It was brilliant. Um, the return of Triple H from his quad injury. From his quad oh, injury yeah. in two thousand and two yeah, at the beginning yeah, at the, the beginning of that year. That was good. Yeah, but absolutely brilliant. I get two returns, but my final moment is one. It's not a return. It's one that's quite understated, but absolutely brilliant for just the moment it created when Rock challenged Hogan. Yeah, for WrestleMania yeah. eighteen. What a, it was just the the fact he was going around as you've done you've headlined WrestleMania after WrestleMania you beat everybody why don't you headline one more WrestleMania with The Rock and it was just like and it was third match in the end wow yeah yeah but don't dampen it it should have main evented definitely it yeah should have main evented <laughs> but I thought it was a great mo I thought it was a great moment just the the whole icon versus icon being announced I mean it, to a lot of people Hogan wasn't well known so the fact that he was going to be up against The Rock you know it was just clash of two generations. 80s versus the new millennia. Mm-hmm. Babe Ruth versus Zera. Icon versus Icon. That's the words Ric Flair used in WrestleMania's mm-hmm. top 10 matches in 2004. Mm-hmm. But yeah. There's so many great moments. I've, I, I even forgot about the, the, the Price is Right. <laughs> oh, Bob Barker was probably the best guest host they had. Can I change my favourite Raw moment of all time? I've just remembered. Shawn Michaels, Super Kicks, Stan. <laughs> Do you remember Shawn Michaels Super oh, Stan yeah. backstage? Oh. Yep. If uh, you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up on YouTube. Stan, aka Ty Dillinger. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was Ty yeah, Dillinger, yeah. No way, really? Really. How long was he trying to get into WWE for? Ten years, maybe? Goodness <laughs> me. Uh, Do you think they waited? They were like, maybe if we make him wait ten years, it'll be a gimmick. Yeah, that's probably where they get the idea from. See, I just kicked Ty. Stan. <laughs> So yeah, there's, there's some of my ones. We've still got actually got five. We've got a quick five minutes left. I mean, let's talk about some of the other ones. I mean, 
Let's. I'll, I'll, I'll just reel off some ones, and I'm going to get some opinions from the panel. Uh, pipe bomb. First yeah, of all, yeah, yeah. pipe bomb. What can you say that has been said? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think I, I think David gave most of it away when Nathan talked about <laughs> no, yeah. it. Was, it's reality slowly making its way into the fictional world of WWE. That was the turning point. See, remember when I talked about the Miz winning the title being one of my favourite moments? I think that's kind of, in some way, John Cena winning the belt back off the Miz was such an awful moment that mm-hmm. it set up the next great moment of the pipe bomb. <laughs> yeah, like the WWE sticking to the status quo, they're only pushing one or two guys and all the actually talented workhorses are always getting overlooked. Yeah, totally. I mean, moving on, uh, DX invading WCW. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic moment. First, uh, I was hoping they would have got in. It been, how good oh, would it have yeah. been if they'd got in? That would have been, I think the TV would have exploded. I think WCW had a plan just in case they got in. And they had like a, week, a backup plan, like we need to do something because they're going to come out here and they're going to absolutely stir things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shane McMahon buying WCW? Yeah, I just, I just love Vince's face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the whole reaction. And it's Shane! WC- and he's a Nitro! WCW Nitro actually being broadcast on WWE's Titantron. <clears throat> that it, was quite epic. It was something else. Uh, the Y2J debut on Raw against with The Rock. With The Rock, yeah, actually. Uh, Huge pop. Yeah. I thought it was really good the week after when he came out and just insulted The Undertaker. Just, Have you just, heard that promo? Oh, <laughs> so bad. It's just like, it's Undertaker's face. He's like, I'm going to go backstage and absolutely <laughs> do him. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely rip him. But yeah, that, that, that was a good one as well. The, the return of Brock Lesnar. Oh yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brock Lesnar's debut. That was that Brock Lesnar's debut yeah. was great. I, I, I didn't make it on the WWE Top 100. I don't think. Hmm. I think no. The return was definitely more impactful. <laughs> oh, but mm-hmm. the debut was great as well. I mean, poor Spike Dudley was not the same after that. <laughs> I think the turn because he's been away for so long, and a lot of people didn't and he, think he'd ever be back. <laughs> it was kind of rumored that he, for after it was after he lost that match at the UFC that it's mm. like he's going to come back. He needs to come back. He can't wrestle UFC. No, can't fight in UFC anymore. Yeah, I feel like the, the days of returns almost feels over for me though because I don't know who WWE could bring back right now apart from CM Punk that would make me go, that's insane. <laughs> oh yeah, that definitely. Um, one that we didn't mention during the ministry talk, uh, the unholy wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Probably worth forgetting that one. Why? Why? It just felt awkward and it was scary as well. But it was supposed to be scary, that was the point of it. was mortifying. <laughs> You'll get married one day, don't worry. I mean, wow. if we talk about moments as well, I mean, um, Undertaker putting Austin on the symbol. Oh yeah, that symbol. The <laughs> Taker symbol, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which they ripped off ECW for the Sandman and oh, yeah. Raven. Yeah, mm. but the Triangles uh, <laughs> doesn't want to. The amount of times, the amount of times he, the amount of times he put guys on that symbol did things. You remember the bit backstage where he whipped Christian? No. no. <laughs> yeah, because Christian gave away where Ryan Shamrock was was getting was captive. Do you not know what I mean? Oh, no. No. <laughs> Essent- <laughs> Essentially, uh, uh, Christian, uh, they had Ryan Shamrock captive and Ken Shamrock got out of Christian where she was and to punish Christian, they just like hung him backstage and whipped him. It's brutal. You know, it's, oh, it's so savage. It just showed how bad uh, evil the Undertaker was. Was, that, was Undertaker as well as Ken into the old Fifty Shades of Grey stuff? Not that type of Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> jeez, jeez. Um, what have I got? One. I've, got, I've got a couple actually. Uh, go Can I throw them out? Go for it. Uh, this one's a bit more retro. Uh, one, two, three, kid pinning Riz- Razor Ramon. Yep, yeah, that's great. Yep. Great moment. Uh, another sad one. Uh, echoing the Ultimate Warriors last promo. Uh, Edge's retirement. I think you got, that was you got, quite. You got to talk about Daniel Bryan's retirement mm. as well. Yeah, Edge's retirement. Bryan's retirement. You mentioned one, two, three, kid there. 
suppose my left field choice is the match between one, two, three, Kid and Bret Hart. Yeah, it's a hell of a match. Superb, superb match. I mean, if you're talking about matches as well, two of the ones I had down here was the the two matches that happened in the summer of 2002. First of which was Jeff Hardy Undertaker in the ladder match for the WWE oh, yeah. for the yeah, disputed yeah. title. Je- Jeff put on a great show. Mm. That was his. One of his best performances. The other one was the match that happened in Las Vegas for Raw Roulette, the the Fatal Four Way Tag TLC match, where we got uh, well Kane beat everybody by himself. <laughs> Who was Kane's partner at the time? Hurricane. Hurricane wasn't oh, of course it was. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me of one of my great moment where Kane did the promo with with Hogan and Rock backstage. And the foul millions of Canaanites! Yeah. Oh my god, how could I forget that? That was such a classic promo. What you gonna do? Kane, Kane by that point, you know, he was very just like a, a silent character. He was very sort of, uh, sort of, um, what do you call it? Just just didn't say anything really. And then he comes out, imitates Rock and Hogan. Mainly did the spin on Rooney. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Did <laughs> oh, now, it was just something very uncharacteristic of Kane, but it was hilariously done. That Fatal 4 match was absolutely, Fatal 4-Way tag match was superb. He got voted the best match in Raw history for the 10th anniversary. 10th anniversary. Mm. I believe so. It's fitting that we talk about it very, even very briefly on the 25th anniversary show. Uh, the other ones, uh, the other one I've got here, which uh, I liked. I don't know what you thought about this one. Was uh, the the raw debut of Sting, mm. where uh, uh, was it Rollins, Kane, and Big Show were taking on Cena in the handicap match to win the contracts back for Ziggler, Rowan, and Ryback, and Sting's face just comes out on the Titantron, mm. and he just comes out to the stage and points, oh, yeah. and Cena does a roll up on Rollins. And then, well, he kind of showed up at Survivor Series as well, and that kind of, I think that took away some of the, the impact from it. But I think the the concept what you're talking about there, I think that, that makes sense. But yeah, that's just that's just a quick bunch of moments that we didn't get to talk about in a brief more detail. Finally, to sum up, guys, uh, any more thing, thing we want to talk? I've got one more. Uh, Daniel Bryan and the Yes Movement occupying mm. Raw uh, yes, in Chi- uh, not in Chicago. It might have been the week after. <laughs> uh, well, I think Chicago was. Dubbed as Hijack Raw on Twitter, but it didn't happen. It was just them shouting really loudly, trying to over the authority promos. But then I think the week after was uh, Daniel Bryan's Occupy Raw movement, and he got the match against Triple H at Mania. To quickly end the show, I'm going to just ask a quick question to the guys, and you're going to give me an on-the-spot answer on this one. Within 25 years of Raw, what is Raw's greatest ever broadcast team? Nathan? J.R. and King. Josh? It's J.R. and King. JR and King. It's got to be JR and King. Can I put that back? JR and Paul Heyman. Oh, very good, very good. No, it's still got to be JR and King. Can I say Monsoon and Heenan? Yeah. Sure? Yeah, up there as well. Absolutely Definitely. brilliant. Can we agree that any commentating team with Booker T is up there as the worst? <laughs> or Byron Saxton. Oh, I like Booker T. Or David Otunga. I think it depends on the time. Different times, different commentators. I think he's just been rubbish all through them times as Victor Tate. Booker T's <laughs> favourite quote is the ankle bone is connected to the neck bone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right. but no, JR and King are reuniting for Raw 25 as well. Ah, oh, that's gonna be. Raw 25, we're gonna get so many legends, we're gonna get JR, the King, Boogeyman. Boogeyman. <laughs> So, is there any names that we can think of quickly off the top of my head that's gonna be there? Austin the Rock, a rumour. Uh, Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker, yeah, yeah. Reeves ever rumoured. Nathan uh, told me an interesting one before the show that's been rumoured. I'm not sure it's confirmed. It's a rumour. We'll go Trish with a rumour Jericho. Uh, Jericho is rumoured, yeah. Trish and Lita might come back. So many big names, but yeah, we have managed to kind of sum up some of our favourite moments of 25 years of Raw within 90 minutes of airtime. I think that's quite good. Not bad. <laughs> but yeah, that's been us 
Eat Sleep Suplex retweet talking about our greatest moments of Raw's 25 years. If you have listened to us in any form of way and want to tell us your favourite moment, we're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. If you're listening live and you want to hear more from us, subscribe to us on iTunes and any other Android podcast site. We'll be back the same time next week where we'll be previewing the Royal Rumble so mainly focusing on both the women's and the men's match so we're going to be talking about who we think is going to be surprise entrance and we're going to also give our views on what's going to happen in the men's rumble so stay tuned to that it'll be live half five next wednesday but from us at eat sleep suplex retweet i've been stephen wilson i've been david hockney i've been andy mitchell (laughs) this is why we shouldn't share microphones joshua hong nathan fisher and we will see you at this time next week so goodbye